Okay, here we go. Another week is coming gone. It's a look back. Week four. Obviously, we're for for thirty teams are a quarter into the season, and like I said, for everything we've talked about, obviously the Eagles has not been positive talk of the team throughout this entire season. A little different this time. It, they actually won this time, and it wasn't and it wasn't just any game that they won. They won a a, 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 a game on national television on the road against a against a team that was just as banged up as they were, but they should have had more talent and are the defending conference champions. And the win wasn't just important. They are now the division leaders in one of the worst in the worst division maybe in the history of the league. Going into that right now. Where no team in this division has won more than twice in the same week at all through the first month. So, like I said, as I remember, as you recalled last week, you were ready—you were not only ready to give up on this season, you were ready to break this team apart. So, you had to be patient. The patience worked out where they're actually okay. Nothing's going to be fixed in one game, but it gives you—but this—but this win gives this team a pulse and a good and potentially a potential good outlook when everybody does start to come back from injury. So. Your take on an Eagles victory? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, like I said, I'm ready. I was ready to blow the team up last week, and you know, my opinion hasn't changed. It, we, it, this was basically a preseason game. It was our backups versus the Niners backups a lot, at least you know, um, and we ended up winning. It was nice. It was nice to get a win for once. And there are some good, some positives to take away from this game. Some, uh, some things to look forward to. But in the end, you know, back in the, back in the, at the end of the Andy Reid era, you know, we, uh, we, um, sort of to, sort of quote Jeffrey Lurie, we got tricked by fool's gold, and it's not going to happen to me twice, you know. This, this is this is fool's goal game, man. I mean, we played a team that was more beat up than us. A team that really, you know, they haven't been impressive this year overall. They got they've lost a lot of their key players, even more than us. Like I said, and um, yeah, I mean, we 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 out, we have barely outplayed them, which is nice. You know, we outplayed them. They're they're still a tough team, but. It is what it is, man. They're not. We're not. We're just not that good a team, you know. I mean, I know we lost a lot of receivers and we didn't have many weapons. And Wentz actually played well. Um, but going up against that Niners team, if we were a legitimate playoff team, we would have blown them out. And we bare, we snuck away with a victory. But um, hey, the, the team played well. Wentz played well. And like I said, there were there were a number of positives to take away from this game. Um, I do like the defensive alignment in this game much more than previously. I've been saying all year, Avante Maddox is a bum. He's awful. Um, moving Jalen Mills back up to the outside at least gives us a somewhat respectable number two. I know he's, a lot of people hate him in Philly, but you know he gets beat deep on occasion because he's overly aggressive. But he's overall he's not a bad player. 
And um, a, a guy that I really liked in the draft, Kayvon Wallace, moved over to starting safety. He showed some the potential there. Um, the defense played a lot better. The defensive line the last two weeks has come on big time. Um, the linebackers are still awful. We saw that. We saw them get torched by uh, George Kittle, another tight end blowing them up. But And then offensively, there, there were some positives to, to take away from that too. You know, They did go up against a team that even without um, Bosa, they have a – Without Bosa and Solomon Thomas, they still have some players on that defensive line, and the offensive line for the Eagles played well. Even without um, Lane Johnson was in and out of the game a lot. Um, um, what Jack Driscoll came in and filled in at right tackle, and he played respectable. Jordan Maylotta started at left tackle, and he he completely showed up. Jason Peters, from what Peters has done so far far this year. You know, he showed a lot. He actually showed a lot of potential. Um, so, I mean, in terms of that, at this point, I'm calling for Melada to start the rest of the year. Even even if Peters comes back healthy, maybe maybe uh, move Peters back to right guard if we still have a lot of injuries. But uh, but yeah, Peters is obviously shot, and Melada showed uh, showed potential there, man. He played well. And then um, a couple of the younger receivers. Stepped up. Um, I was, you know, every once in a while I'd check out like Facebook or some nonsense or one of those um, or uh, Bleeding Green Nation on their comment section just to see what people are saying during the game. And there was a lot of hate going around for uh, um, John Hightower for some reason. I mean, people are, I think, are expecting too much out of a fifth round rookie that had no training camp or preseason to um, work with. But you know, he came up with a big fourth down reception there, and he came through for us on that play. Furthermore, you know, we got that big play from Travis Fulgham. I mean, I'm not expecting him to be much of a player, but you know, he stepped up. So, a number of key play- a number of young players stepped up for this team last week, and it's at least something to um, look forward to. Yeah, I just couldn't believe that. You know, watching it at my buddy Mike's house. You know, me and him have watched three of the four games this year, and this is obviously one of the more pleasant games because we were pleasantly surprised that somehow we won this game. I mean, to me, I still think the 49ers, with their with their, with their level of talent, even though they're obviously more banged up, and they're banged up in more positions than we, even we are, still felt like they were the better team. But, but I knew coming in, I told you this on Sunday, if the defense showed up and and found a way to turn this team over with a with a backup quarterback in in possession, they could do some things. And they finally actually did something. Nick Bolins, while he is a a reliable backup and has done a good job in this league for where he is, he's not no quarterback. He's not going to take over for Garoppolo when he's when he's ready to return. And obviously, watching him get sacked four times, and you know. He got picked off, and that obviously helped the momentum because this defense, they're gaining confidence every week. So that's a good thing. And But it's just hilarious that as much banged up as we are, two no-name guys helped win this game that nobody ever heard of and probably weren't even on this roster on September 1st. Nobody ever heard of this Folkham guy, this, you know, whoever his name is, and he scored a, a big play touchdown. Wentz trusts him with the big play, and he scored a big touchdown. 
And then an even more no-name guy, we have the worst linebacker crew in football, gets a pick six. You know, Singleton or whatever his name was. And, you know, it's it's nice because these are guys that probably wouldn't be on the main roster if everybody's healthy. So that gives them a lot of confidence that on a big stage in a major deal, they can actually play good. Uh, play good. Now, consistently, can they play great? Probably not. But, you know, if the, the matchup fit the Eagles because the 49ers are hurt and banged up pretty much in many, in many avenues, especially on defense, which gave Carson a lot more confidence to be Houdini and to, and to make plays outside the pocket, which he looked like he did in 2017 when he won the, when he should have been the MVP if he didn't get, if he didn't have the knee injury he looked he looked comfortable outside the pocket making plays you know he avoided many sacks and he obviously made more plays and stuff he still had one interception that's kind of not his fault but to me if if this is the wince that we see this is what he we want to see you know him making plays that look that look like you know what we are used to seeing him than just being a guy who's le- who's lacked the confidence the first three weeks, but even in the Bengals game last week, he he saved himself a, a third straight from getting the third straight loss with a with a touchdown to take it to overtime. We all know what happened afterwards, but at least Wentz scored the la- the last winning score, scored the last score to take them into a position to at least put them now in first place. And obviously tonight we're going to be talking about the NFC East a lot, and that's, I know you're not looking forward to that, but like I said, we have to just think that as bad as this division is, and knowing what all the other teams lack and how bad they have, have looked, this obviously could be the wake-up call, this game could have been the wake-up call that the Eagles need to get themselves back potentially as a viable playoff contender, if not winning this division repeating as division champs potentially. Yeah, well, um, yeah, I mean, that interception was really the lone negative I can say about Wentz's game this week. You know, he played really well, especially considering the lack of receivers he had. But, yeah, I mean, on that play, he, um, you know, he, he, he held on to the ball too long. He got flushed, flustered with the pressure and do a terrible pass. I mean, I think that's more on him than anything else. But otherwise, he played a really good game. And I will say for the coaching staff, offensively particularly, um, they, they had a good game plan. Um, Doug Peterson finally put together a game plan where they, there was a lot more motion pre-snap. Um, there was a lot of misdirection, things that I've been calling for for all season so far. And, you know, it, it paid off a lot, especially with a team that had very little talent at that skill position. Um, but, you know, one, one other thing that's concerning, or not even concerning, really more so annoying than anything, is, um, you know, I like Jim Schwartz. I, he was the... Back when we were looking for a head coach, I was saying I wanted to get a head coach, um, offensive head coach, and then bring in Schwartz as the coordinator and let him run the defense. And he's done it. You know, he, he gets hated in Philly because he's not Jim Johnson, but he's done a really good job, and they won a Super Bowl with him. But um, one thing that's really starting to get to be really annoying, at, at to say the least, is 
his refusal refusal to play players that were brought in to help this team. Um, and you look at guys like LJ Fort last year; they they refused to put him in the game. He, they ended up cutting him. He goes to Baltimore. He plays well. Um, um, Rasul Douglas, you know, he was drafted in the third round. He's a guy that they refused to put in the game unless they had a bunch of injuries at cornerback. And, I, I mean, he's, he was inconsistent. I think a lot of it was coaching, though, because, you know, now he's, now he's in uh, Carolina and he's playing at a really high level, you know. He's looking really good. Um, and now we're into this season, a month into the season, we used two draft picks, a third-rounder and a fifth-rounder on linebackers. And we got the absolute worst linebacking staff in the league, and these two guys aren't even touching the field, you know? I mean, how much worse can they get than Nate, Nate Gary? And, you know, as, as much as Alex Singleton made that interception, let's face it, he's, he's not a good player. Neither is Duke Riley. I mean, how much worse can he get if you put Devon uh, Davion Taylor in there, who is a guy that has a ton of talent? You know, he needs to see the field. He needs to develop as a player. And then um, um, Sean Bradley's a guy that supposedly will be real impressive in camp. I mean, he's not a superstar, but, you know, he can't be any worse than what we got. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I, I don't know what the mindset is at Novacare. And obviously, you know, uh, like I said, Schwartz runs a, a style defense that, you know, either works or sometimes it gets criticized, which it does. And obviously the linebacker position has always been underutilized for the Eagles, you know, for years. And they had, we talked about the ones that was here, like, you know, like, uh, what's his name that was here now in Arizona or somewhere else. You know, well, he had Michael Kendricks, you know, a few other guys. But like I said, yeah, Jordan Hicks, that's what I was thinking like I said, they have guys that actually can play that position and, and, and at a decent level. But, you know, it's just, you know, it's kind of like we're smarter than you in the room. And that's the unfortunate reality that, unfortunately, that gets coaches fired all the time. You know, we talk, we'll talk about Bill Bryant, Bill O'Brien later on. But to me, you know, this this team, you know, they're, they're just they just spin their wheels when it comes to what they think they want. In their in their teams, and like I said, I, I can't be you know. I, if I probably look at that roster, I'm like I would make major changes if I was in charge. If I was the GM, you know, I'm gonna give you the talent, and we're gonna work, and we're gonna make sure this guy takes us to the top. And like I said, I mean, you know, unfortunately, the Eagles are where they're at in the linebacker situation for the whole year, and hopefully, they'll make plays when they get more door develop and obviously when the D-line's at its best. And and they're going to be at its best very soon, if not what we saw here the last two weeks where they've had a combined 14 sacks. So, like I said, I, I know that it, it is frustrating. It is frustrating, but hey, oh, they won. They're in first place. We can breathe a little better going into. I mean, yeah, it's not the schedule that they're they're not no those no easy games coming up because obviously now you're playing the top two teams in the AFC North that could very well play a role in who wins the AFC come come January. But 
like I said, it's it's great for the Eagles to be in a position where they can control control things where where they were a few weeks ago. And like I said, looking at this division, the NFC East, obviously they have a three twelve and one record. No other division in football has a has less than maybe five victories, but this division has won only three times in four weeks, and it's just getting to the point where, why, what, what is the reasoning? I mean, you know. So tonight, let's just just look at this division and wonder what the hell is going on here. You know, what's the biggest weakness that these teams have? So, go ahead with what you think this division. I mean, we already talked about the Eagles. It's injuries. We know that. So, go ahead with the rest. Yeah. Well, um, the, the, the division's a joke. Let's face it. It's, it's awful. Um, but right before I, we move on to the Eagles, I just want to say one more thing. I mean, when you have a defensive line like we have, it's understandable to have a guy that you drafted in the third, fourth, fifth round not be able to get on the field or not play a guy that like that, even if he's shown some talent in practice. But when you have a position like we have at linebacker that's absolutely devoid of talent in every way, and you have two guys that you drafted that at least have NFL-caliber talent, I mean, you, you may as well just put them in there. And it's just a, it's just something with Schwartz particularly, but... Um, I mean, we have kind of seen it a little bit on the offensive side, too, that they haven't been able to evaluate their talent. That, but, but particularly Schwartz on the defensive side, that he just refuses to play players that are brought in to help this team that end up going somewhere else that can actually play. And it, it's really it's particularly hurting his position. But moving on to the rest of the NFC East, man, um, yeah, this division is easily the worst division in football. It's an absolute joke. Um, we're looking at the Redskins who are now, obviously, they're, they're already giving up on um, Dwayne Haskins. He sucks. And moving on to Kyle Allen, he's not going to do anything for him. You know, Ron Rivera, it might be Ron Rivera's boy, but he's, he's garbage, too. That whole team, all they got, they got a defensive line. The rest of their team sucks. The Giants are worse than the than the Redskins, um, <laughs> there's not a whole lot to say about them positive. Um, Danny Dimes, you know, he, he he showed some talent in the preseason last year and a couple games early in the season, and ever since he's been awful. And then the rest of their team is just garbage. And then lastly, the Cowboys, <laughs> you know. Jerry Jones fell in love with all his offensive toys. He went crazy building, you know, this, this high-powered offense, and they completely, um, they completely ignored their defense. And now they're paying the price. Their defense is the worst in the NFL by far. They're getting toasted every week by every team they play, and um, you know. It doesn't matter if Dak throws for 450 yards every week. I mean, a lot of these stats are coming when teams down two plus scores in the second or in the fourth quarter, and basically the other teams just you know dropping back into that sort of prevent style defense and letting him take what he can get. But 
know, he can, they can run up their, the passing stats, the coaching staff on that team. Again, I told, I, I'm not a fan of McCarthy. It seems like he's forgotten that he's got possibly the best running back in the NFL in Zeke. You know, he is a pass-first head coach, but when you have a when you have a guy like Ezekiel Elliott, you got to feed him the ball. And um, you know, Dak's not a Dak isn't a franchise quarterback. I don't care what the stats say so far this year. He's got more talent around him than any other quarterback in the NFL. And you know, he's, with the amount of times they're throwing the ball. You could take a 15 quarterbacks in this league, and they can throw for 400 yards. It doesn't mean anything. Their defense sucks. The team sucks. The coaching staff sucks, and the owner sucks. So, you know, they may win the division just on, they just out of default because this division's such a joke. But it doesn't mean they're good. Yeah. Well, like I said, our good buddy Tyrone Johnson of the Mike Missadelli Show has a show on on the weekends. He he has his own show, and every day and every and before he starts his show, at you know in the morning Saturday mornings, he also he mentions the word of the day. Well, I'm gonna take a a part of that out of his book. I'm gonna give you a word of all the teams. Now, obviously, we talked about the Eagles, and the big word is injuries. If they can ever get themselves healthy and right. They could be a, a legit contender. With I'll start. We'll start at the bottom. The football team, the Washington. It's structure. The word is structure. Their problem is they have a. In, they have the worst owner in the league. They have an imperable talent that this doesn't work. And while they have some strengths, they have a lot more weaknesses. And unfortunately, the Dwayne Haskins. You know, it's a shame that that Ron Rivera gave up on him already because he was a first round pick last year. And to me, he was, he, you know, he, he has no chance to succeed because he doesn't have an offensive guy leading him. You know, R- Rivera is a defensive guy. So that doesn't help. I mean, Jay Gruden was a big fan of him when he was drafted last year and he was on a short leash. So to me, if the structure is better then obviously Washington can be more of a contender and do some things. I mean, they have a strong D-line as we saw week one, but unfortunately, that's it. They don't have much offensively. Terry McLaurin is a decent receiver, but he's mostly a number two. And obviously, they don't have a tight end. So where where is their strength? And You know, a running back, running by committee, and none of them are top 20 backs, you know. So, yeah. Washington is is down in the dumps. They're probably at the bottom of this division, and they've been for many years. With Giants, their word is unfortunately situation and management. It's management. Because when they got rid of Tom Coughlin at the end of 2015, they've replaced the head coach three times since then. And since 2008, They've only made the playoffs twice. One of them obviously was a Super Bowl victory, but unfortunately, but unfortunately, this team, they their their front office is a joke, and even worse, they have a GM that shouldn't be the GM here, and Dave Gellman, he should not be the GM. He he he's terrible, and they 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 love him there, but he's not helping this team. Now you don't have Saquon Barkley anymore. Who, you, who they put their whole eggs in the basket to help this team be better on both sides of the ball. 
with him running for 1,200 yards and for over 1,500 scrimmage yards. But that's not going to work. And now he's injured. He's done. Where did he get offensively fixed? And yeah, Daniel Jones, you know, yeah, he, he might be a proud member of the Manning School of Quarterbacks, but that doesn't mean it's a successful because he's not Peyton Manning and he's not even Eli Manning. He's just he's just there and he makes stupid mistakes all the time. That costs the Giants games. Because the Giants have been too horrible this year, but unfortunately they're just they they're so limited that they just cannot find a way to win. And what's even worse about the Giants, they're worse at home than they've been on the road. If you look at their differential at home versus on the road, it's it's night and day. They're more competitive on the road than they're at home. And they play the Rams tough, but not tough enough. And the Rams are a really good team. So I don't understand that at all. They're just, they just need to get rid of Dave Gellman, get a guy in here that actually knows what the hell he's doing, and then they can reshape this roster and figure it out. But then again, Saquon Barkley would be good on a great on a, on a contending team. So he, he has the assets to get you great draft picks because he's still worth it. Unless he becomes damp- he comes back next season as damaged goods. And with Dallas, you know the drill. The word of, for them is coaching. You know, coaching cost them the playoffs last year in a division title. And it's even worse this year with a new coaching staff. Number one, Mike Nolan is the defensive coordinator. When was the last time his defense did anything? I mean, seriously. Their defense is horrendous. I mean, they, they're horrible against both the run and the pass. They give up 300 yards on, on, on the ground at home in front of your fans. I mean, Odell Beckham I knew was going to show up because he, he always has his great games against the Cowboys in his career when he was with the Giants. You make Baker Mayfield look like a respectable quarterback, for God's sakes. I mean, to me, yes, you're absolutely right. Dak Prescott is not an elite quarterback. He's a decent quarterback on a great team, but he already has the bad resemblance of he does less with more, why Carson Wentz does more with less. And that's why more people want Carson Wentz than Dak Prescott. And I like Dak Prescott, you know, as a person, and he's a decent quarterback, but he can't elevate a team. And Mike McCarthy, who's who's loved, who's in love with the Cowboys and in Jerry Jones, he, like, you're right. He's always been a pass-first guy. He's never believed in the run. What thousand-yard rusher did the, Cow- did the Green Bay Packers have when he was there? I mean, seriously, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous that they're absolutely wasting Zeke Elliott. If they actually use Zeke Elliott the way he should be used, then the Cowboys are more of a viable contender, not just in this division, but in, in the entire conference altogether. But unfortunately, like I said, they don't know what they're doing. Jerry Jones is a joke. He cares about the bottom line, cash. And I have other things I would say about that, but I'll wait for a few weeks or maybe a month. But unfortunately, it, it this division is just, they're just, everybody's spinning their wheels. And at this point, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be too surprised if this, this division combines for only 12 victories for the entire season. And that would be really, really a shame. It it would because everybody else in this everybody else will average at least twenty three or twenty four victories, while this division only allows twelve, only gets twelve. It's sad. It's ridiculous. It's horrible. 
I, I can't I can't believe it's become that this division. This is the division that at one time when you and I were kids was not only the best division in the NFL by a mile. They won seven Super Bowls in eleven seasons, including four in a row. This division, this division, what the hell has happened? Unbelievable. It's it's a shame. It really is. This once mighty division is not only a, a terrible and a joke, I don't know if it'll ever come back to what it used to be. You know? Well, I mean, it, it starts with the ownership of the teams, you know. Um, let's face it, the only team in this division that has even quality ownership at all is the Eagles. Every, that's why the Eagles are the team that has consistently been in the playoff race and made playoff runs over the last 20 years. The rest of this division, every once in a while the Cowboys make a run and sneak into the playoffs and maybe even win a game once. But the rest of the guys, those teams are consistently the Redskins and Giants. They're at the bottom of the barrel, the NFL, you know. Okay, the Giants were able to pull out two Super Bowls in the last 20 years. I mean, that was more luck than anything, let's face it. They, they were, those teams, their team wasn't even that good, but they got hot at the right time, just like the Eagles did. But, I mean, the, re- the reality is it's poor ownership. And, yeah, like you said, that's not changing anytime soon. Jerry Jones is, is taking this team to the grave with him. You know, he's not selling. Um, and the other two owners aren't selling either anytime soon, so. Yeah, it's 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 a shame, and unfortunately, it's gonna be it's gonna be a rough. It's gonna continue to be rough sailing for the for pretty much the re- majority of the rest of the year. But like I said, still room to grow. Still a long way to go. Two more, three more quarters of the season, and maybe we'll be talking differently. But but moving on, let's talk about actual contending teams. Like I said, unfortunately, like I said, it's been a really tough week in the league. Unfortunately, we knew coming into this season the coronavirus was going to affect this everything. And unfortunately, the Titans and the Steelers, because of what happened with Tennessee, couldn't couldn't play on Sunday. And there's rumors that Tennessee could be out again this this weekend for the Bills game. The Patriots and the Chiefs game was moved to Monday night when Cam Newton was, was diagnosed with it. And now Stephon Gilmore has it. And... You know, it's unknown if they're going to play on Sunday or not, but we'll see what happens. But obviously, watching—I'm sure you watched the the Monday, both Monday games, probably the the CBS one and the Chiefs. And I and I watched the game at the bowling alley, and I'm like, you know, there's no reason for this Chiefs team to be struggling offensively through three quarters. Against the Patriots. I know the Patriots are a decent defense. They were great defense last year. They're still a decent defense this year. But you would think with Patrick Mahomes and all those weapons at home, there were fans there, that this team would actually just take off and blow out New England. Now at the end, you know, the score looked looked great, but the but the dictatorship of it wasn't the case. It wasn't a 26-10. It didn't feel like a 26-10 game. It felt more like if New England had a better quarterback, they probably could have stolen one on the road, which gives my theory about the Patriots are still a viable contender in their own division. But if you look at the Kansas City Chiefs from what we've seen in the first 
in the first four weeks. Two of those games could have ended differently. Obviously, last Monday night and the and the Chargers game. So, obviously, this league it's hard to repeat as Super Bowl champs. It's hard to repeat. But looking at this game, if you look at if you look at uh, Kansas City, I mean, should we believe that there's a team in the AFC that can beat them come January, or are we? Or are they still the, the top of the mountain? Well, for now, they're still the top of the they're still at the top of the food chain in the AFC. I mean, they're the defending Super Bowl champions. They're four and zero. They beat the Patriots. So yeah, I mean, they're still at the top of the mountain top. They're at the top of the mountain top right now. But um, but um, you know, you look, like you said, you look at the Chargers game. You look at the Pates game. Um, their offense clearly isn't unstoppable, and their defense really isn't that good. Like you said, um, they really should have lost that Chargers game if you know if the Chargers didn't just really have a rookie quarterback just starting out. They probably would have won that, and the Patriots would have won this game if Cam Newton played. I'm pretty much certain of that. The Patriots defense played a great game, um, and they, the Patriots just didn't have a quarterback that could play. Um, so yeah they're beatable for sure and there's a number of teams in this conference that can beat them obviously the Patriots played tough and if they meet again in the playoffs if Cam Newton's playing it could be a different story but the Steelers are a team with a great defense possibly the best defense in the NFL Ben Roethlisberger's looking really good they can put up points they could easily stick with the Chiefs and take them out. And even though they've had no success against Patrick Mahomes, the Ravens can still take them out, too. they still got the talent. They just somehow need to come up with a better game plan. But, yeah, there, there are teams in the, in the AFC that can take out the Chiefs, and I just I don't think the Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl. Oh, and then there's obviously the obvious, the Bills, almost forgot about them. You know, they got a really good defense, and Josh Allen's playing at an MVP caliber level, too. So, the Bills, obviously, are a team that has a shot. Yeah. Like I said, I just, I, I, I know that this, how this league goes. I mean, Kansas City's still a viable contender, and until somebody takes them down, I still think they're the team to beat, but obviously, you're the team to beat until somebody beats you. And, like I said, the AFC is, is a lot more wide open than, than it's been in recent years. Like I said, from Pittsburgh, they're still unbeaten. Like I said, Buffalo, they're going to play them eventually. Indianapolis, they they have a they have the best defense right now in the league right now. Hopefully the hopefully the Ravens will bounce back after an embarrassing loss on Monday night. You know, last Monday night. You know, so they're you know, and and like I said, New England and Belichick, they're not going to go away easily. You know, you know, obviously still trying to get. The Brady era out of their system, it's still it's still you know they're still a valuable contender and you know until they they fall off a cliff, which it looks like they're they're falling a little bit, but they're still a valuable team that can still potentially make the wild card. But okay, moving on to the NFC, like I said, why we aren't unfortunately because of the Steelers and the Titans not playing, we're not doing our top five conference teams list this week. We will do it next week. But obviously, 
looking at what we've seen through the NFC eyes, you know, we talk about our pathetic division, but looking at the rest, obviously three teams have come to to the forefront that you have to beat, and some you know, and, and a contender you don't know, but a familiar name. Obviously, Green Bay is off to probably the best start ever, or one of their best starts ever, unbeaten. Offense that has scored the most points in the league. No turnovers, more importantly. You know, not an interception or uh, or or a fumble. Why Seattle's pass defense isn't the best. It's still, Russell Wilson is still throwing touchdowns and dimes and putting himself as the, the number one contender for the MVP race. And then obviously we talked about Brady early in the year and and his struggles with Bruce Arians figuring out the offensive playbooks that they both possess. But whatever they fixed, it's working right now because since that tough loss week one, they're unbeaten and they look like a team that is very, very close to putting their, their act together. So to me, like I said, in the long, even though we still will talk about them a lot as the season goes on because this is what we do, who do you trust of those three teams in the long run to have to to be the team to be to be th- to take seriously between those three teams? Yeah, so I mean, right now, I have uh, I have two teams that I would put as like the top tier in the NFC, and that's the Packers and the Seahawks. Um, both quarterbacks are obviously playing at MVP levels. Um, the Packers' defense has been obviously a lot better than the Seahawks' defense, but the Seahawks played a lot better last week. Obviously, they didn't have a great opponent in terms defensively, but yeah, the Seahawks can, even though their defense isn't good, I think they have a better offense. And um, I don't know, man. I think I would I would put them as the number one team in the NFC right now. Um, Packers real close second. And then after that, you got teams that are not quite on that level. Um, the Saints have been disappointing so far this year. Breeze doesn't look all that hasn't looked all that great. And then um, the Bucks are somewhat in the conversation, but they're obviously we're only a month into the year. They're starting to come together. They're playing better. Um, obviously, they got off to a terrible start last week, and they had a fight to come back. But um, Brady and those receivers are starting to get on more on the same page. And, um, yeah, I mean, if they can keep growing as a team, they could potentially get into that top tier as well. But other than that, I don't see any other team in this division or in this conference that really has much of a shot at making a run. You know, the Rams, they're not, they're, they're, they're not, they're not making a deep playoff run. The Cardinals, their, their offense hasn't been impressive so far this year. It's almost, honestly, it's starting to look like uh, Chip Kelly 2.0 over down there in Arizona. You know, he came out, their offense came out last year. They looked really good. This year they came into the season with a lot of high expectations, and, you know, they, they've been pretty disappointing. And then the Niners, like I said before, I don't think I, – I was expecting a, I would expect them to drop back a bit this year. And obviously coming off the Super Bowl, Super Bowl hangover, injuries left and right, 
You know, they're not the same team they were last year. And then, obviously, we've talked about the NFC East. The Vikings are, are garbage. So, really, it just, it just comes down to those four teams with the, the Packers and the Seahawks, one and two. Mm. Well, like I said, I mean, we'll, we'll next week we'll do a top five list for both for both teams. I mean, for both conferences, and we'll see where they stand, where they stack up, in your opinion, moving next week. Obviously, long way to go. One one month is not going to tell us the whole story, because come December we'll obviously see where the, where these teams are at and where they're contending and how much they've grown from from September. So we'll see. But obviously, we we always have to, you know, we sometimes end on a negative sometimes on this program. And like I said, we knew that this this was coming. There's a lot of teams, obviously, who have who are on the brink with their head coaches, like Adam Gase in with the Jets, like uh, like what's his name down in Atlanta, you know. But finally, one coach that should have been fired did get fired is Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien finally was shown the door after another loss and are down to an 0-4 start in Houston. Like I said, only one time in NFL history has a team started that far back and made January football. And unfortunately, if Houston's going to make the playoffs, they're going to have to start winning now. Romeo Cannell is now the interim coach. He has experience, obviously a lot of experience in this league. Another Belichickian guy who's coaching Cleveland and Kansas City in the past. But like I said, we knew Bill O'Brien was on a short leash. You know, not one of your favorites, not one of my favorites either. So obviously you your your short take on, on that. Yeah, so um, in terms of that, um, back in the off season, you know, we were, or I should say at the end of last year, we both, I think, both agreed that Bill O'Brien needed to go. That that team got lucky against the Bills in the first round last year and then completely imploded against the Chiefs. Um, for some reason, they kept him, and he, he went, he, like I said, he, in the preseason, you know, he went full Chip Kelly on this team. He got rid of his best players brought in old bums, and this is what happens, man. He's a horrible GM, and, you know, he, he just got, his ego just got too big. And now this team's stuck with uh, very little talent on offense surrounding Deshaun Watson. But, yeah, they're not going anywhere this year at this point. Romeo and Cornell's not going to save the team. They're done. Um, and, yeah, yeah, that's it for them. But one question I have were predictions for you. I'm going to ask you. Um, so, obviously, the first coach went down. Who you got as the next coach to be fired? Huh. I mean, so. I, I, <laughs> it's going to, like I said, they gave the Jets an ultimatum to Adam Gase. And obviously, Dan Quinn and Atlanta are next. The Falcons have not won anything. They have not won. They they've been pathetic the last this entire season, blowing two leads. Everybody is everybody and their grandmothers are are shocked that he's still the head coach in Atlanta. They're just going nowhere, and we've known how overrated 
Matt Ryan is as as a quarterback. I mean, he's got great numbers, but what the hell has he done? He's been on teams. He's been equally been on teams that didn't do shit, that did go to the postseason. And as great as Julio Jones is, what I thought he would be a guy that would elevate everybody as a great as a great wide receiver, and that hasn't happened. You know, they, you know, to me, Atlanta is so overrated and ridiculous. It's it's a shame. And I think that Dan Quinn knows that he's two more losses away from from this from this season being over for his for his run to be over. And I think everybody's on board with that. Now, if you look at the Jets, Greeny wants Am Gase gone. Everybody wants him gone. And I think that's going to that's going to happen sooner rather than later. I mean, at this point, if you if you tell me right now today, like I said. I would think that it's going to be Quinn first, just because this team still has expectations and they're not living up to it. 0-4 start, you know, unacceptable. 0-4 start, unacceptable for the Jets. Even though the Jets don't have as much expectations as the Falcons, in theory, I think it's a tug-of-war. Hell, both of them could be fired by Monday. So we'll see what happens. But it's one of those two going to be next to go by next week. Yeah, I think at least one of them will be gone after this week. Um, and, yeah, I, I think I'd agree that if I had to make a pick, I think I'd go with um, Dan Quinn, cause mainly because when you look at the, the the schedule this week, the Jets, they're starting Joe Flacco, your boy, at quarterback this week, but they're playing the Cardinals. Um, I mean, they're going to lose that, but, you know, I mean, you could justify losing to the Cardinals, but... When you look at the Falcons, they're playing the um, Panthers, and even though the Panthers have actually played pretty well this year, I mean, this is a team that nobody thought, that most people thought were going to be a top, were going to be picking in the top five. You know, they're not a good, they're a horrible team, and if or when Atlanta loses this week, I think that's the end for Dan Quinn. Yeah, good riddance because. You know you don't re- you don't re- you don't recover from a, from the that terrible way they lost the Super Bowl a game that they should have won and then obviously they're responsible if the if the Cowboys continue to lose which I believe they're going to with their pathetic defense if they if if the Dallas starts one seven and they could have been zero and eight and you're the reason why they're not then obviously you have no business being a head coach so. Neither team, neither team is going to have their coaches. For once we get to the cold, once the cold season is here, both of them will be gone. So I believe. So yeah, I would expect them both to be gone by week, by week eight at the latest. By the end of week eight, I should say, halfway through the season. Yeah. But anyway, we've covered everybody. So now we go to our matchup for tomorrow. A big matchup. It's the first game for Fox on Thursday in their package, their Thursday night package. So it's a, obviously a respectable matchup. But obviously it's an interesting. It's a rematch of Super Bowl 52. The only difference is it's just the quarterbacks, not the teams. Obviously the Bears are off to a respectable start, an unlikely respectable start. But unfortunately, I, you know, I predicted that the defense would dominate with the dominate the Bears, and that's exactly what happened. The Colts defense dominated the Bears, and that's exactly what happened. And Nick Foles wasn't his his full self. 
but Tom Brady in Tampa Bay after a, after a rough beginning in week one has won their last three games and obviously they're rolling. And how odd is this, you know? Chicago played a quarterback, you know, a familiar quarterback in an unfamiliar team, and here they are again in the similar deal this week. So, like I said, a big Thursday night game with playoff invocations early on. Both these teams would make the postseason if the season ended today. So, go ahead with this matchup. Yeah, so um, one problem that the Bucks have right now is they do have a lot of injuries, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Um, O.J. Howard went down last week. Chris Godwin's out. Mike Evans is questionable. Um, uh, Leonard Fournette's out, or he's actually doubtful, so he's probably out. Um, so a lot of their key players are out. Look for Scotty Miller, who probably he's listed as questionable, but I'm pretty sure he'll he'll be playing. Um, he's he's going to be playing that Wes Welker role, and you know um, you know Brady's going to be looking for him a lot. And speaking of Brady, we, we, we saw week one, he didn't play well. You know, like we said, you know, no preseason, brand-new team, brand-new offense. He was going to need some time to get going. But since week one, aside from the first half last week, which he, they did the whole team played poorly, and, again, they had to make this major comeback in the second half. But... Um, Aside from the first half last week, since week one, Brady has been, has been playing at a really high level. Um, he's tied with Patrick Mahomes for fourth in the NFL and passing touchdowns with 11. Um, last week, like I said, we, he, they made that big comeback. Brady threw for 369 yards and five touchdowns. So he obviously um, he's obviously settling in, and this team – Overall, their their offense is starting to gel more and more each week, and if they can ever get some of these players healthy, um, it'll it'll they'll keep getting better. But one thing about uh, Brady is he's had a lot of success against the Bears in his career. He's five and zero against the Bears. He's going for fifteen hundred ninety five yards, fourteen touchdowns, four interceptions. So. He's, uh, he's, he's dominated this team, and I think he's going to have another big game. The one, the one thing here, one guy that he hasn't dominated in in, in past in his past is uh, Nick Foles. Obviously, we we saw what happened in the Super Bowl, and um, that's obviously going to be the big storyline this week is Brady versus Foles, but. Yeah, I'm expecting a big game out of Brady this week. I think that Bears defense is just average. You know, it's nothing special. It's not bad. It's just not good great anymore. And in terms of Foles, he played terrible last week. I'm not expecting him to have a good game against the Bucks. That Bucks defense is tough. Um, and even more so, they're more so than their pass defense. They're extremely tough against the run. They're one of the best rush defenses in the NFL. And when you look at the Bears, they ran for 28 yards last week, and they're going to have a tough time running the ball again this week. And without a running game, that, that pass rush is going to be able to pin their ears back and get after Foles, and they're going to cause a lot of issues there with that Bears offense. So I just think the Bears are going to have a really tough time moving the ball. I think the Bucks are going to be able to move the ball, put up some points, 
They may have to settle for a number of field goals, but they'll get in the end zone a couple times too. And in the end, I think the Bucks win this one, and I don't think it's going to be a real close game either. So I'm going to take the Tampa Bay with a final score of 30-17. to 17. Yeah, I mean, like I said, the only thing is, and only in the two quarterbacks played each other in the Super Bowl, but these two teams did not, obviously. Tampa Bay has obviously are off to a very solid start. You know, their defense has played very well so far through the first few weeks. They struggled a little bit last Sunday against the Chargers, but like I said, they are tough to run on, and they're even tough against the pass as well. They're, they're a solid defense. I mean... You know, they're right there, up there, you know, with Green Bay and a few other teams. And, and like I said, I mean, you know, Brady's, they, they obviously take a very good read of what, what he brings to the table. And they're a much better team for it, for his, for his experience. Because Tampa Bay has obviously not had that kind of experience at quarterback probably ever in the history of their franchise. But obviously they're playing Chicago, a team, one of five teams Brady has never lost to. He's never lost to the Bears in five meetings, and unfortunately, in this in, in, in playing in this building, it's going to be very very difficult for uh, you know, for for the Bears to 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 handle. You know, unfortunately, last week they did not play well offensively, and Nick Foles just like I said, they're going to have this problem all year between Foles and and Mitch Trubisky because Foles is just not a consistent quarterback and. Trubisky's no better at all either, but to me, if they're still in, if they're still going to be in playoff contention, which they kind of will be here at the outskirts of this season, here early in this season, then obviously they're going to do what they have to do to keep themselves relevant. But the more I look at what the NFC North is becoming, it's looking like it's going to eventually turn into a runaway by Green Bay as the season goes on. Because I don't think the Bears are strong enough roster-wise, to keep up with, with Green Bay. And I just think that this matchup here, you know, Foles has to get off to a fast start. But David Montgomery is their key to their offense. But he's not an elite runner. And he's not good. And he hasn't been good in scrimmage yards either this year. So I feel like for this team to have any success, they have to put a – Matt Nagy has to put a good balance. But – I feel like this is going to be another struggle for them because Tampa Bay is got that experience with Brady and it's just not going to be enough to keep for for the Bears to keep up. I I agree with you. I think that the Bucks are going to have this game in control by the fourth quarter and I just don't I just don't like the the Bears chances here. So I have Tampa Bay pulling off a big victory, sending another statement to this to to the rest of the conference with Brady. And the final score, thirty-four to sixteen. Yeah, I, yeah, this it's going to be an interesting matchup. Whatever, just you know, I'll I'll watch the second half like I always do because I got work a little bit. So, you know, we'll see what happens there, and we will talk on Sunday like we always do, folks. Give you the rest of Week Five, interesting matchups. You know some. You know, questions that will be answered. So, you know the drill. See y'all Sunday.